You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center. This is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to pitch bad movies and share bad. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is the Good luck! Tide goes in, tide goes out. Never miss communication. It's over 9,000! My name is Foxy. The balls are in there. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Nerd to No Basis show. I am Keanu Calicon and with us are... Oh, it's me. Ahoy. Dar, it's you. <laughs> ahoy, everybody. Um, I was like, wait, there's someone before me. It's like, no. Uh, ahoy, everybody. I am Dar. Green ain't here this week. <laughs> Never here, but you know, that's okay. <laughs> and also with us grinning for the benefit of radio listeners. And I'm Kev, leading Dara by the hand. <laughs> yes, here we are. It's been a long week. It's only Wednesday. Spotify and all the wonderful places on the internet. We have a surprising amount to cover this week because, uh, as I'm sure many of you have noticed, August is just nerd crazy this month because we've had the Sandman. We have new Game of Thrones coming out next week. We've got Marvel stuff coming in from everywhere. There's been Star Trek. There's been not Doctor Who. We'll talk about that. And just seemingly a lot of everything. But before we get into it, uh, Dara, like, is there anything you passionately want to discuss amongst a whole plethora of topics we have this month? Yes. So one, if you haven't been to our website, nerdtonomedia.com, please do. And thank you to everybody who's been over to it. it. We, you know, our numbers were always pretty good. But they're a lot better now online than they were because uh, it crashed the website. <laughs> so uh, thank you guys for going over and saying, hey, our, our favorite kind of technical fault. Exactly. I mean, they're, they're the easiest ones to fix. So I managed to upscale the website. So, yeah, everything is there. Like all the podcasts, there's links to them from the RSS feed, uh, Spotify, YouTube, Instagram. It's all there. And there's also like a live player as well for the Phoenix event folks. So, I mean, that's great. I'm I'm really happy that everyone is using the website and enjoying it. So that's great. Um, so, do yeah, if you haven't been over there, nerdtonomedia.com is where you can find everything we do. And um, what I will encourage anyone who's just like, just started listening, go back on Spotify. There used to be a lot more shows from Kev, from Keen, from Katie. They're all still there. Just go back and you'll be able to find them. There's easy, like, what, nearly 200? 10 shows maybe you think there's, if, there's so many shows if if yeah no if, if i may i am it's it's about like a year out now i am still very happy with the anime crash course i had put even limited as a limited run as it may be uh which is completely wild because i literally just finished reading up to date one punch man mm. the manga which is buck wild by the way mm. but what like I- that 
that what, that series that series starts off great and just shoots into the damn stratosphere in the in the manga. What I might try to figure out do, uh, a way to do is to like group them together as like playlists on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, but I just haven't I haven't like done that yet. There's a lot of cool features that um the platform we're using actually allows you to do. So I will kind of group those together because um, there's some great shows, like obviously the Rewind and, and Nerd to Know uh, bases. And then there's also uh, Bytes Britain and uh, Once Upon the Tur- uh, Once Upon the Turnbuckle. Five, five, are... o'clock, five o'clock, five o'clock, five <laughs> o'clock. <laughs> there are weekly shows that we do. Um, but yeah, other shows have existed. So yeah, check them out. Another thing, right. So I actually bought comics today. Oh, right. So it's new comic book day on Wednesday because we were how retro. Well, you know me again. <laughs> here's the thing. I broke my rule and I actually bought Marvel books as well. Right. And the Marvel ones look trashy as all heck. Would they... you like to explain the rule for the benefit well, of people listening? Don't buy Marvel books that are current. Because they're terrible. <laughs> um, but... But journalistic I integrity there. Oh, absolutely. I, I, <laughs> I, I wear my biases. But the thing about it is Marvel Marvel have earned the right of being terrible, right? Um, okay, so some books I bought today because there's some cool releases that came out today. So the first one is Batman the Night, uh, the final test. Um, and that's like an ongoing series, which is a really, really kind of good series. The art's fantastic. It's it's all about like the trials of uh, basically early Bruce Wayne so it's like a retelling of the Bruce Wayne story a new Riddler focused story called uh, One Bad Day the Riddler number one came out there's some really cool um, variants as well so I picked up two of those so they're obviously going to be very very good because DC do not suck Marvel- if a name like One Bad Day it seems like they're Jokerifying the Riddler oh yeah absolutely I'm um, amazed there aren't more killing joke clones actually <laughs> oh there are they just don't do them anymore <laughs> not the 80s anymore. yeah I mean like, I know there's a million Dark Knight Returns clones and all that kind of stuff but here's what I wanted to talk about right so I don't buy Marvel books normally because like the, like the last good Marvel book was Edge of Spider-Verse um, they're very very rare you know but I picked up Avengers what's it 10,000 BC and that looks like terrible trash. It's basically the Avengers in the past. So, yeah, Black Panther's literally a panther. Uh, so it's so it's basically yeah. the sixteen oh four or whatever by Neil Gaiman, but yeah, like exactly conceptor. Yeah, another good one though that actually isn't trash is Death to Mutants. It's an Avengers X Men and Eternals crossover with Kieran Gillian, and Kieran Gillian's great. Like I just anything. Uh, written by by that writer is going to be great, but the fact that they're trying to like rehab the the Eternals and the X Men as well um, is super funny to me. But I just kind of really like this this crossover, and it's very very interesting from what I read so far. So um, yeah, if you're a fan of the Eternals, um, do pick it up. And I know people are like who's the fan of Eternals? Uh, the Eternals. I am, um, <laughs> and yeah, it's super good. The next one though, I think the most relevant one is Edge of Spider-Verse 2. This is the one the film is based on, I'm assuming. Correct. So the original Edge of Spider-Verse was a couple of years ago. It had the introduction of Spider-Gwen, uh, the anime one, um, and a few others. I can't remember offhand. But um, this one is all female-centric uh, for the most part. So, it okay. so Spider-Gwen is the the main character then has uh spider what's it what did he call her uh spider hmm. uk they have chakra mini spider and ghost spider 
So, I mean, it looks like terrible trash. I had to buy it because it's the introduction of these characters. And if you're a collector like I am, they're the issues that are worth a lot of money eventually. So, yeah, it looks like isn't terrible that guy. always a thing though? Like those, like they had that rush of like loads of number ones because everyone thought that they were going to be the one that they made the money when they sold them back. Kind of like yeah, the well, NFTs of their day. Well, that was the speculation. Um, but what happens here is with those issues, they actually do and gets in. Well, if you think about it, Edge of Spider Verse inter- in like introduced these characters who are brought into, into the Spider Verse, the sequel coming out, and they will eventually use. I guarantee you, Spider UK is going to be used in a movie in, within three years. Oh well, I mean, you so, kind of. I think we're like we're probably going to assume that m- m- some, if not most, of these characters are probably going to show up in, in- Sony. In the in the edge of spot in the is it edge of Spider Verse the name the the, the following two mm. into the yeah. Spider Verse movies yeah yeah yeah, yeah. look yeah. Madam Web's getting a movie like every corner of Spiderdom will be plundered oh, by Sony so, yeah, so, getting a movie Sony are just script not I Lads, I don't want to I don't want to incur his time. name I do not it's I do not wish to invoke him in this chat <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um it's more than time. But yeah, no, they they you are going to morbed, Kev. Got I just morbed. got uh, damn, damn, just got morbed. Uh, late guys, it's a great podcast. I'll I'll see you never. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, like Sony will dig through whatever barrel they have the rights to. And that's what I'm, at this point. And the thing about it is, it's like I actually really like alternative um, universes. I I really enjoy the multiverse as a as a concept, and you know, I Spider Man is like apt for that. Um, I don't know. It just seems very cynical. <laughs> like when I saw it, I was just like, "Oh, that seems really cynical." Like, yeah. I like Spider Gwen. I think he's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, the real stands do not buy Marvel books because they're usually garbage tier, and they are. I mean, like legitimately, there there has not been a, there, like when one appears, that's good. You're like, "Oh well, okay, great." Unless hey, hey Kian, I've, I've been I've been I've been listening to this thing for the past three weeks. I had no say in it because I don't read comics. I think you could. Do you want to? Do you have an input here? Well, see, I don't, I, I have been reading newer books, but they're from my local library, so I have no idea how up-to-date they are. But from the Marvel side of things, I have been reading the the New Invaders, which okay. are, you know, kind of set post-Old Man Cap, and that's been really good. Like, kind of been dig, like, it's all of the original what, characters. What like, year was this? Again, I don't know. It's library. It's new for me, but I stopped reading in 2009. Like, All right, so like 2014, 2015 is like the last gasp of, of Marvel. Mm. Just before they kind of reboot with everything. That's mm. the problem. Marvel had this continuity and then they rebooted it and it's just trashed here now. Is that what that one day, one more day? No, like, that, was, that was way before. That's when Spider-Man... See, this is what I mean, though. What's new to me isn't necessarily current. What I have been reading has all been kind of really good stuff, though. I've been catching up on the original Jessica Jones run. Um, mm. Oh, oh, the, that's stellar. Like, exactly, I I, yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. that's fairly old, but like that, uh, the name. Uh, Vision the name. had a series, a solo series, where like he built a robotic family, sort of a reverse oh, yeah. Vision. Yeah, yeah, I read and that. And that's that was, been really, really good. That was really like, good. Kind yeah. of, but again, I can't... Uh, the new mutants I've been reading there, like that's stellar. Like, but I can't attest to. Oh, Mark Wade's uh, Daredevil, which is now like my favorite like comic series because it's just like really I, funny. And, I like, love. I love that. I actually read that when it came out. I think yeah, you're reading when I initially started like collecting books. 
that's pretty good up to a point. Um, and then it kind of falls off a cliff. But um, yeah, no, it's really funny. And that, they're actually saying that's going to be the basis for the new Daredevil show. I hope so, because it's that's got a real nice mix of like the melodrama that comes with him, but also sort of that offbeat with like the last one I read, he takes a legal case involving the Silver Surfer. <laughs> like, you know, it's just it's Every, everybody has the right to legal representation, Kean. Oh, I like, learned actually, that from which, watching Better Call Saul. But that's it. But there was a nice crossover in the She-Hulk series where old man Captain America is put on trial and mm. um, like Matt Murdock is the prosecution and She-Hulk is the defense. And like it's I seem to have missed some sort of 2015 Marvel boom because there's a lot of good series that seem to run around that time, you know, which I, I, I stopped reading after the Civil War. But there seems to have been lots of quality stuff. I'm just trying to find out the date of um, the invaders I mentioned earlier. I'm sorry to hear that, like a lot of it has run off the rails, but I assumed that was kind of part of that. A, the mainline Marvel things are copying the movies as opposed to the other way around. And mm. B, that sort of boom bust thing of we need a big crossover event every two years. Let's start it's, a series and then kill it and reboot it and lose even, those readers type stuff, you know? It's not even that. It's just none of it makes any sense. You know, it's just... It never did. No, come on, Neil. That's not true. That's not, I mean, like, there's no good characters that you can relate to. Or do you just release stuff just to say we have, this is the first X character, this is the first yeah. Y character or whatever. Or this is... Uh, some cynical to like like Edge of Spider Verse. That's a like that's a cynical thing. So Sony can be like, yeah, here we go, more movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very cynical. I'm like, I don't mind if they're good when they arrive. Well, look, Spider Gwen is great to be fair, but mm -hmm. even in the first Edge of Spider Verse, the Mech one wasn't very good. Um, that was the one written by Jared Way actually. Are you talking about the comic or the, the film comic. adaptations? Comic? No, no, I'm talking about the comic. Okay, uh, okay. And that was written by Jared Way, the guy from that terrible band that people like for some reason. That's um, absolute slander, and my 15 year old self would slap you in the face. Uh, but also, he's a he is a halfway decent comic writer. The Umbrella Academy is a really good series. Oh uh, no, ah. I, can't, I, I can't stand him or his terrible band. Um, so did not like that. <laughs> We as, ner we as nerds know do not uh, <laughs> don't Dara's uh, personal opinions. We are not affiliated with every aspect of the operation. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. I know I'm deeply unpopular on that, but I just I just don't get it. I, I really don't. I, I used to love emo as well, but like Taken Back Sunday and Census Fail and then they showed up and I'm like, this is why, this is why you get bullied, you know? Um. Anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's true. No, it's not. Like people no. Um. Anyway, this why you don't become bring... everything you swore to destroy. <laughs> <laughs> you were supposed to bring balance to the forest, not live it in darkness. Um. But yeah, I mean that's the problem with with Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Uh, it it kind of opens this. But then again, any new Spider Man, I'm gonna have some interest in it and like even as bad as marvel can get still gonna buy a spider-man book <laughs> that's just what happens so there we go there's my bi-weekly anti-marvel comics rant that also imagine there's a flashy logo in your head well it also divulged into why i hate jared way but sorry kev i i i just don't understand it i'm too old i'm too much of a boomer 
Goddamn boomers. They're even yeah, getting into our podcasts. I just don't get it. I'm like, you kids with your bad emo music and with our, with our hot rest. men and their catchy tunes. <laughs> they were not catchy. Goddamn them. Just not catchy. <laughs> no, I talk. Some little black parade and I don't know cancer and I I don't I don't know what these things are. Back you know. in my day, we had vines. <laughs> Remember vines? <laughs> <laughs> They're back as TikToks. More than more than nine vines seconds. Were too long. Twenty seconds was too long for your entertainment. It has to be a good sharp six and a half. Exactly. You gotta, Trim gotta, that. Rot, gotta rot that brain. Really, it has to be an image that tricks you. <laughs> oh my god it's uh you know so i'm not on tiktok uh personally don't be um that's my advice from as a as a security professional it's it not safe um but if you are fair enough however i do get my and that's coming from like the actual breakdown of the app it's legit like there's not good um and i can go into why but i'm not going to there's there's YouTube videos you can watch on it, um, but I do get a lot of my TikToks from Instagram. Yeah, me too. Which from sort the of defeats the purpose of it. it oh does. yeah, no. Oh, the best thing most modern platforms are doing are just ripping TikToks. That's 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 half of Twitter's brand right now. I mean, let's <laughs> be honest. Instagram ripped off Snapchat, so like that's second that's, generation down. That's fair, but the thing about it is, at least I'm like you know, my phone isn't like just basically. A, a, a data mine for 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 TikTok, which I'm like, Grant, that's that's okay. I, I'm okay with 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 Meta taking my data though, because at least they tell you up front, you know. Uh, in, in I am going in to terms. mug you. <laughs> <laughs> at least they give you the, the, the notification of hey, it's they, have, they have they have the good they have the good uh, the good dignity to buy you dinner before plunging a knife into you. There you go. That's it exactly. But here, guys, on a on a happy note, right? Uh, from all this from all this uh in, in battle talk we're getting a lego store tomorrow Yay! or we by will, this time it will already we will open. have had a lego store for two days by the time the sayers now here's the thing right so i so on geek ireland right now they actually have all the pictures that you mm. can see and it looks pretty cool one of the coolest things about lego store is like the unique teaming that they have in like mm. different parts so like you know you go to Rome, you go to actually yeah you go to the one in Rome or Milan or France or whatever, they have like specific things for wherever they are. And in Ireland, for some reason, they have an Old Trafford. Although, no, it's not Old Trafford. It's supposed to be the Aviva, but it looks like Old Trafford. Um, I'm going to assume it's the Aviva, but, you know, dropped the ball a little bit there. Uh, the Pool Bag Tower, Dublin, which mm-hmm. also looks bizarre. And then they have like a bunch of like uh, GAA players. And I'm a little bit disappointed, lads. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just. Well, what do you want representing our culture? Well, I mean, it's better than having a leprechaun, but they could have like. You wouldn't cool. want fizzy tato crisps. I actually, I mean, have, I mean, have you had if, those yet? I haven't had those yet. No, oh, is, they're delicious. Is it I know too I'm much to trend? But yes. No, is it them. is it too much to ask for a Lego Jim Larkin? <laughs> what like holding However, up? <laughs> have we considered a Lego Countess Markovich? I'm just. Th- have we considered a Lego interpretation of Fionn McCool and the boys? See, that one would make sense. Or Kukulin, or Dustin, or, you know, these things. Saki. Or, or, yeah, An I, institution. The Morbegs. <laughs> the Morbegs. But I'm just like, you know, 
it's kind of a bit half like to be honest with you, right? In Milan, right? They have a full skit, like a, a full Lego Duomo. And it's incredible. And it's like, whoa. That's amazing. So the Duomo is the big church in the middle of Milan, mm. for anyone who mm. doesn't know. And it's 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 incredible when you're there, right? It's also mo- when you go to Instagram, it's it's you know, it's all over Instagram for some reason. And uh, but yeah, you go to the Lego store there and they have a full scale replica of it. It's amazing. And then you're looking here and you're like, lads, come on. Like, yeah, but like it's come on. Look, having been to the one in Amsterdam, it's like it's great fun to go in and make a little Lego figure of yourself and like see all these sets you wouldn't usually find on the website and all that kind of stuff. I will because it should be worth mentioning because of the demand for this. Uh, they will be having like half an hour slots or like people are only going to be like stay half an hour, which is reasonable mm. enough. Mm. I'm probably going to give it like two weeks birth. Yeah, fair. And just let everyone kind of get excited about it before going in. But yeah, I'm just thrilled to have a Lego shop in Dublin. It's so, I like Lego is such a wholesome thing for me. I love going to the Comic Cons and finding rare figures and all that kind of stuff. I love making Lego with my daughter and all that. It's such a, it's an expensive toy, but it's a real wholesome thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's also one of those destinations like, you know, I go to to London for a handful of reasons, but like, you know, anytime I'm in London, I feel the need to be like, yeah, I'll go to Leicester Square. I'll go to the Lego shop. Absolutely. It would be great if we had an M&M shop as well, but... No, hold on. So actually, I was going to bring it up, right? The M&M... I, I, I have never lasted more than 10 minutes in there because the smell... Oh, it's pure sugar. It's pure sugar. Oh. And, and and the more... You, the higher you... So it's like five stories of M&Ms, which I'm like... When I leave that shop, I'm like, actually, I never want to see an M&M again. So I'm like, defeats the purpose. How do you stand it, Kev? I just let it wash over me. I just... <laughs> I just let it consume me. Begin <laughs> the teeth rotting. Fair. And then just ride a wave of M and M and M and M and M and M. And M. See, look, I, 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 they wouldn't be my favorite chocolate to go for. But I'm amazed. Like even in Times Square, there's one. Not even um, the crunchy ones. But I'm like, is, is there that much of a demand? For it's, it's, it's the thing is, I find it's, it's less even about the M and M. It's literally the, 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 the image. Just the, the. The presentation of it, you just got. I'm like, I walk around that shop, and like, this. I, it's not even that I go in there to buy anything. I just like, I walk around, it's like, this is like a museum. This just fair. Like, I am That's just walking fair. around, just something that, like, this does not feel of this earth. There is <laughs> giant candy people that tower over me like gods of Olympus made of sugar and chocolate. See, I, I. I again this is this is going back to our earlier point. I just don't get it, Kev. It's no, it's 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 a bizarro thing. As it I don't go in there as like a shop to buy trinkets. I go in there to experience an MM world that is not of our own. I See, that went, sounds terrifying to me. It'd be like the when Homer's put on trial by the donuts. <laughs> I went, of, that, that's what would happen to me. I, I went in there in, in December and I was like, all right, I'll go in and I'll, I'll try to buy something. And I just couldn't. I was like. I want to leave, you know, <laughs> and I did. You just not like happiness. No, I do. Okay, but the thing about the Lego shop is it upsets me a little bit, you know. And I'm afraid I'm going to go in. I'm going to complain because I'm like, we're, you know, this is like half-assed, you know. I'm just disappointed. I expected half-assed more. Lego shop. A little wait, bit. How do you half-ass a Lego shop with Lego in it? Hold on, wait. Hold on, I'm seeing there's more Lego things here. I'm just, I'm just like, okay. So they have a Haveny Bridge mural. And then some lad holding a stick, and then some lad—that's no, not a lad. Some woman 
playing the, the the fiddle. There's no junkies there though. They should have like a junkie, a Lego junkie. <laughs> See, I'm starting to think the problems more with you and your expectations. Potentially, my expectations have not been met. Like you know, it doesn't represent Dublin at all. I mean, oh yeah, no. What we need is a Lego interpretation of Dublin's crack problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, the spire is kind of a, t- a monument to that already. But like, <laughs> I to be look, I all I'm saying is, do better, Lego, do better. It, do I should better. stress, the shop is not open at the time <laughs> we are recording this. We are hoisting a lot of heady expectations <laughs> on it for a, shop, for a shop that is not open yet. Here's the thing: I actually have about. I spend a lot of money on Lego guys, right? Legitimately, I have. Really? Yeah, I have something like fifteen undone Lego sets that I will eventually get around to. So, I mean, I can't. I'm not going in there for my own safety, so I do not <laughs> buy more Lego. I really want that 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 pyramid. Mm-hmm. I have nowhere to put that pyramid, but if I'm near it, I'm going to buy it. So I cannot go in there. But if I do go in there, they can expect comments. See, isn't that the life cycle of being a nerd, though? It's like exciting new thing gets announced that everyone wants, complains about it, buys it anyway, repeats. This is called being a wrestler fan, Keen. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's Michael Campbell's, uh, you know, whatever his name's Campbell's uh, second less popular sequel to Zero's Journey. <laughs> <laughs> waka waka. <laughs> Waka waka. <laughs> right, moving on. You guys have new gaming things to talk about, so I'm going to sit back because I haven't seen either of them. I've read. We won't Mark spoil. Nuts, this is, and I've uh, read. And Sandman, in fact, but I haven't you're seen you're it. to step in if we're start even sounding vaguely spoily because this is something worth seeing. Okay, right. So, uh, I'm, so I'm, yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna step back here and let you guys nerd out on that. Yes. Well, after long, 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 long development processes that have come and gone nowhere. An adaptation for television of Netflix's of Netflix's Neil Gaiman's Sandman now exists on Netflix, and I assumed it'd be something that would either never never exist or would be terrible. And this is neither. And for anyone who may not be familiar with Sandman, I mean, what are you doing here? But sure, anyway, um, this is basically the house that built Neil Gaiman, or vice versa, depending on what way you interpret the phrase. It is his original run of comics from the late 80s, early 90s that really shaped the comic book landscape. And now the first two volumes of those books are now 10 episodes on Netflix. Uh, Kev, were you familiar with Sandman before you saw this now or? Here's the thing. I really wasn't. Uh, I yeah, no, I'd never read it. You working in a bookshop? Man, trades are expensive. (laughs) That's it was something like I I never got around to because like as like trades are just kind of that expensive. But I knew it was like a ten volume series, and like it was just something I never got a chance to really check out. Even though I've heard nothing but praise of it. Did you never just like pick one up and read it when you were like working? See, we never had it. Ah, uh, or it was that's or a it, problem. That's the thing. It was something like ordered in. Yeah, but it was also then <laughs> something that. Would, listen, like not to not to put myself back into trauma, but <laughs> it was something that I would have ordered in to flick through that would have cost like thirty quid to try and sell. Yeah. So, Did you uh, read a thousand issues of like manga pirates though? Yeah, because One Piece is a goddamn masterpiece. Key and catch up. This sounds like excuses. One thousand and fifty. I'll have you know. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, nah, it was just something I never really kind of got around to. And eventually just came around to like last week when it came out on Netflix. I was like, well, I'll see what the hullabaloo is about if this is any good. And the consensus being, yes, it is very good. Yes, it is. Actually, that's one thing I wanted to ask you was, is how like, I says how close to the comics is it? Much more than I was expecting. Uh, it's now Neil Gaiman is directly involved with it. So that kind of lends an air of legitimacy. Mm. But like uh, where American gods just like took the story and like used it as a kind of a springboard to tell something completely different. This is surprisingly faithful. Every episode is either an issue from the books or like maybe two short stories crammed together or something like that. But yes, everything runs in the order that it does in the first two books of the comic series. The only slight changes, and I'm going to avoid spoilers as much as possible, is that they bring the Corinthian from book two to the start of book one, just to give it a kind of a bigger shape. Okay. And they condense and mix some characters like... Um, well, I mean, there's, there's things like that are kind of expected for an adaptation from comics no, to TV. No, but they're, yeah. they're good they're good choices. Yeah. It's just I was surprised by uh, how faithful it was. I was expecting much bigger kind of concessions to TV. Yeah. But no, it really wasn't. The I'll, I'll breeze over very quickly the changes, which is that they're very minor. There's little things like instead of um, in hell, instead of like Dream going up against the demon who stole his helmet, they made him go up against Lucifer. Nice little change, not huge in the grand scheme of things. They have condensed Lyta Hall and like Rose's mother into one character functionally. Like it's just lots of li- like, oh, they introduced the guy who steals the ruby earlier on and connect him to the kidnappers. That doesn't exist in the book. Really small changes. And initially I worried that the first two or three episodes would get bogged down in this kind of stuff because it felt like there was a lot of filler. But I think it finds its groove by about episode four and stays pretty faithful on the grand scheme of things. The only kind of little changes would be just like making Lucienne a bit more three-dimensional, giving the Sandman more of a concrete arc, which you wouldn't necessarily need to do in a comic book, but across TV, you kind of do want something to change. So yeah, by and large, surprisingly faithful. I am honestly shocked, not just at how faithful it is, but how much people seem to have accepted it based on how weird the series is to begin with, you know? I mean, what was your impression? I should say, before I pass to Kev, I loved it. Um, Stevie utterly hated it. And I've read all the books religiously. It's one of my, like, kind of, I'll read it once a year things. Stevie hasn't. And it wasn't really until it was over that she kind of started to like it. But, like, what were your kind of impressions of it, Kev? Yeah, yeah. no, having, having not read it, I am... Um... I definitely picked up, like, it, it, knowing that it was a comic book adaptation, like, that was kind of in the back of my mind, mm. even though I didn't actually know the material. Mm. Uh, that still kind of colored how I was going to watch it. And I pe- definitely kind of picked up the fact that it's very, it is very episodic. Mm. There is a running through line. There is themes and plots that kind of carry through. But each hour is kind of its own mini arc yeah. that almost, not, that almost kind of naturally resolves itself by the end. Some even kind of being completely self-contained the episode with the uh 
Oh, the guy the in the bar. The bar. The diners yeah. one is a whole thing, but that's kind of also wrapping up at three episodes or stuff. Yeah. But uh, the guy in the bar, what's his name? That that is actually the meeting every hundred years. That yes. is actually not only my favorite Sandman issue; it's my favorite short story. I, that's I it. read that quite regularly. Yeah. It like that's it. And that's just what like they have like a short kind of intro sequence where he's walking with death. That that is the I think the first award winning uh, Sandman story, the one where he t- essentially follows death on work experience yeah <laughs> so like that's it but that's like an episode that you could probably take fully out of this show mm-hmm. and just say hey here just watch this like short film <laughs> effectively yeah. with the context of this is this man is the king of dreams go and i really enjoyed that i thought it was a really kind of fun engaging just kind of mm-hmm. concept because it's 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 kind of it is the wheelhouse of gaming mm-hmm. to just reinterpret mythology in this kind of way. Yeah. Like like the whole premise of Sandman being that the idea of the endless, of these concepts of dream and desire and death, having this personification, not in a classical pantheon of God's way, but in this endless, in these endless beings that actually like directly interact with the mortals of, of our world. Mm. Um, he's always had a real knack for it. <laughs> Yeah, it makes me wonder, actually, if it wasn't contradictory. Like, you have versions of, like, Odin, Thor, and Loki popping up in American Gods Mm. and in Sandman. And in Neil Gaiman's head, are all these things sharing a world? Or is it just, like, every time he starts a new universe, he just takes those concepts from scratch? Like, I mean, he he covered the Norse tales, didn't he? I think so. Oh, yeah. Well, he he basically just retold the the prose edda that's like that was the norse mythology he did that was just hey we want to sell the we want to sell the recent version of the prose edda let's just stick neil gaiman's name on it <laughs> um but yeah like i'm actually I, i'm gonna actually kind of post that to you because i have read shockingly little neil gaiman re i think actually really only american gods and good omens but i think it's fair to call that more a project yeah. joint like, I know it's both of them, but I've read that and that feels more like a Pratchett book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I th- I'd say he probably kind of separates them. That's like, I, 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 Sandman, I think, has kind of got a mythology from what I understand that it could be implanted over most anything, but... Well, actually, I'm glad you brought up mythology because the elephant in the room is that the first five issues of Sandman are very specifically set in the dc universe in fact they have to rework a lot of it where uh the character with the ruby who's going around he was an old dc villain and uh he actually the dream has to go to the justice league to essentially (laughs) track him down right i I knew that it was published by dc but i didn't know they actually it was in the Justice League universe. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, Arkham <laughs> Asylum is a big part of the first arc. Like, so, I wouldn't say a big part, but, like, you couldn't not notice the Martian Manhunter and all that kind of stuff. Oh, my like, God. Uh, and they essentially dropped that entire angle from, like, the Rose Walker arc onwards. Uh, but it's... I, I obviously was prepped for it not being there. And then all of a sudden, like all these like Batman action figures and Wonder Woman and Flash iconography start popping up in the second half of the season. So it's kind of like, well, hang on. Are we, 
is this DC or isn't it? Because they never made a complete decision in Sandman. Like, I mean, later on near the end, Batman and uh, Green Lantern and all that turn up. And indeed, Sandman has appeared in other DC properties now and again. It's DC, so Verti- sure. it's DC Vertigo. It's Vertigo, but they are very coy about yeah, whether no. Dream exists in the same world as Wonder Woman. Like, I mean, the fact that uh, John or Joanne Constantine exists yeah. is the biggest holdover yeah. from the fact that they are in that shared universe, you know? I'd say, like, if just kind of in, get into, like, nitty-gritty of kind of licensing rights, considering it's Netflix who don't really deal with DC, I'd say this is more of just we know, like, we're aware that this is, like, I'd say it's to the creators are like, we're aware that this had its roots in the DC universe, mm-hmm. so we've, like, managed to license yeah. some iconography for cameos, but I'm not going to hold out for a Batman to show up in this series. No, no, but, like, I, I just, I was surprised when there were little touches of DC turning up near the end of the series, mm. because I assumed, like you said, like... We're fast and cut, just cut all that off. That's fine. I mean, I don't mind. I just like, I mean, we do have like three Batmans and three Jokers who apparently all exist in the same place. So, like, it doesn't bother me. It was just, it was, I found it interesting that they drew attention to it, like, creatively. Like, you know, again, I think that, I think that just kind of goes to show the, um, I think that just goes to show that the creators just know this series, are fans of this series, and are aware of its, of its roots. Yeah, and just kind of like just nodding, just tipping the hat to that, and saying, "We we know that we know where we know what this show has relation to." So, just like you know, we're aware, we can see it. Yeah, completely. And I want to highlight just like the sheer. Even if you don't go for the Sandman stories, it's such a pretty show to look at. And there's like they find like again, I'm trying to avoid talking about American Gods too much because we'll be here all day, but like. American Gods was a real pretty show, but it was a very weird looking show. This is like gorgeous. Like, I mean, you'll just see sequences of like Dream assembling a place to meet someone by literally picking a road up out of someone's dream and like all this like forced perspective stuff. Oh, kind of. It reminded me of Cuphead in a way because Cuphead, bizarre as it sounds, did loads of really creative things with not just its animation, but the kinds of animation it used. One little thing I noticed was Mark Hamill's character, the kind of the talking uh, pumpkin guy. Yeah. He is fully stop motion, but only him. Really? Which is go back and look at it. It's actually his head is a proper like Jack Skellington claymation type thing. And like, it's such a little detail but they must have put a huge amount of work into it just to for this one to, character. To blend it with live action and yeah. to blend it with VFX and that. Yeah, weird, wild. Um, but again, you've got Mark Hamill playing this tiny character. You've got loads of talent like across the board. Like It's great to see the likes of like Tom Sturridge, who's been kicking around for a decade and not being noticed. Also, um, yeah, like to give just a, to mention to him, like I... As it hadn't read it, but I was fully aware of it and knew the sad, dour mm. dream figure, mm. very much lead singer of the cure vibe. <laughs> and kind of like I, I had that image of him, like, and I think it was when I saw press photos of Tom Surge. I was like, I 
I mean, he kind of doesn't look it. He kind of just looks like a like a like a like a like just a sad dude, mm-hmm. but not like the sad dude. Yeah. When he st- I I was fully caught off guard with that deep droll he managed mm. to put on, and I was like, oh no, that's okay. No, I can fully buy that this man is the king of the dreaming realm. I mean, if you want to like kind of see more of his stuff, like he's in stuff like the boat that rocked and all that. But the the way I noticed him was. I've brought it up on the show before. Years ago, the BBC did this series called The Hollow Crown, where they did the shake the histories of Shakespeare plays as a mini series. And he was the son of the Tom Hiddleston character. Historically, he was Henry the Sixth. Mm. So you've got loads of scenes of him facing off against Benedict Cumberbatch. And he held his own. I was like, who the hell is this? Like, he looks so young and he sounds like a like a bear or something like that just that voice and that that contrast it's so unusual you know this this is a kid that's getting ready to play hamlet (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, exactly but like sandman is such a hard character or dream whatever you want to call him is such a hard character to pin down because he's written to be incredibly unlikable and that's the point i've seen loads of like clickbait articles come up saying dream is a horrible boss and i go yeah yeah that's what it's about. He becomes more human. That's he, the idea. His mismanagement is kind of the plot here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, thoroughly enjoyed it. It's working its way to being one of my favorite game and adaptations, but it's going to take a lot to dethrone the absolute best one. Which is? Stardust, obviously. Oh, I thought you were going to say Coraline. Cor- oh, God. I forgot that that was game and Caroline's real good as well. Yeah. Damn. I, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's American gods kind of just soured me on Neil Gaiman adaptations. But I remember like, Oh wait, no, there's actually a lot of really, really good ones out there. I mean, if you want to see one that Neil Gaiman doesn't like, there's a neverwhere adaptation from the eighties with like Peter Capaldi in it. That, um, the way Gaiman tells it, it, the TV show got picked up before the book came out and so he was getting into constant fights with the director and the director just said, if you don't like it, write it differently in your book. And he did. <laughs> and no one has seen this, apparently. I, except me. I, I, you know, I've got Neverwhere. I've literally got a stack of books I'm making my way through and Neverwhere is in that. Neverwhere so, is one of my, of the novels, Neverwhere is my favorite. So I, I may check out that series after I finish Neverwhere. For for Neil Gaiman's sake, read the book first. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'll, I'll check out the series first, uh, mm. or the the book first, then the series. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Just tangent. I love it when I find out that books were written. It's it's. I think it mostly happens with comics, but mm. comics and the books that are written concurrently with the adaptations, like the the two the two I always jump back to are Scott Pilgrim and Akira. Oh yeah, it's both of them were really popular when they started. Had a relatively short run, but dead in the middle of them, they were like, "No, we're picking this up for an adaptation." And I was like, "We haven't finished it yet," <laughs> or, or or they're writing like the last chapter when the movie's going, and they're like, oh, "I see how this movie's going." Damn, this ending's way better than the one I'm writing. I'm gonna take this ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean, like we've got like about ten minutes left. We, that's actually bounce around, kind of like. Neil Gaiman adaptations because Neil Gaiman is such a very specific style that it's quite hard to visualize. That's what I was afraid of with Sandman is it's such a gorgeous book 
that really, no matter how good your special effects are, unless you do it really creative, creatively, it's going to be hard to like translate. Mm. And so you've got loads and loads of kind of different approaches to that to like get around that. A lot of the time, it's just the most successful ones have been audiobooks. There's a really good parallel Sandman audiobook going at the moment with uh oh the Scottish actor who plays Professor X. Um, oh, James uh, McAvoy. I've been hearing really, really you know. good things about that audiobook. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. And like uh, the Neverwhere one with Benedict Cumberbatch and James McAvoy again. Funnily yeah. enough, uh, that's really good. I I have never seen Stardust. How does like Stardust kind of adapt? Because I've read the book and the book is weird. That's the I've never I haven't actually read the book. Mm. Uh. But Stardust, from what I understand from, from what I've heard of the book, it's that it kind of just strips down a lot of the cruff, like Stardust that had a lot of this kind of like odd kind of world building and just kind of really strips it down and is like, here is the story of this of this man trying to bring this star back to his law, his, his uh, unrequited love. Mm. Uh, and just kind of makes it a much more kind of classical fairy tale mm. with this kind of just, with this grandscaping adventure mm. and it's just gorgeous like i i like for for a 2007 film it looks stellar like mm. it's it uses like it uses a lot more um uh on scenic shooting so like right. a lot of english countryside a lot of that but even like the palace i'm assuming Again, having Raven not there, the series, the palace with the king and the seven sons is this absolute tower of Babylon that <laughs> it like you don't get a lot of shots of, but you get this massive winding sweep of it up. Right. Uh, and there's just lavishly any scene around it is just so lavishly decked out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like for, for I think I, I want to say 2007, it just looks really good. They managed to get the get the VFX to mix the practical just well enough that it doesn't look jarring or rubbery. Yeah. Uh, throw it at that, just an in, a, a truly bonkers cast. <laughs> yeah, it's Char- like Robert De Niro and Ricky Gervais. Robert, and, De- uh, Robert De Niro and Ricky Gervais are, yeah, are like side characters. Charlie Cox is the main guy. A the young, pre-Daredevil Charlie a Cox. A younger yeah. Charlie Cox, uh, which is it, which I always find funny because... I can't remember who plays his dad when he's older, mm. but the very start of it is the dad going over the wall, the wall. yeah, uh, to meet the mother. Uh, and they got Ben Barnes to play a young version of the dad. And it's like, guys, you had Ben Barnes. Why, why did you get Ben Barnes to play? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, no, I love Charlie Cox. He's really good. He plays because that character is really stupid for most of that movie. He plays that really well. <laughs> you had Ben Barnes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, no, just like a stellar cast. Uh, Mark Strong plays Septimus, mm. the, the son that lasts I mean, look, if Mark Strong, Mark Strong almost elevated Green Lantern. He is just quality <laughs> villains. But like even kind of like as an antihero and uh, oh, 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 was it? Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer as the witch. God, the wit like they are also just terrifying. Mm. These witches they want to hunt the star just to prolong their life mm. even more the century. Just an incredible classical fairy tale. I think it's on Netflix now. I'm gonna watch it if it's on Netflix. Absolute no, go out of your way to watch it if you must. It is a wonderful movie that absolutely holds up. 
Well, I want to kind of bounce around a bit because I think we only have a few minutes. But what about the Good Omens adaptation then? I really liked it. Really, yeah. really liked it. And this is like, no, this one I can't compare because I actually did read the book first. There you go. Which is completely incredible, by the way. <laughs> that is that is a must read book. Um, so I was shocked. See, that it's it... funny you say that because like I, I did read Good Omens having not read any Terry Pratchett. And I went, this is a bit too Terry Pratchett-y for me. <laughs> like, you kind of know. You just kind of like feel his just kind of like very aloof, kind of goofy British fantasy. Yeah, you it's can... kind of like it's, I, I hate, I know it can't possibly be this way, but I do feel like the Michael Sheen angel is very Terry Pratchett and the David Tennant uh, demon is very from the endless side of the camp. It's almost <laughs> like if you took like a Zack Snyder like superhero and like Ant-Man and made them get along, you know? Yeah. It has that lovely metatextual quality to it. It does. I like, I think if like, if you really went through it, you could definitely pull apart what, like what segments were written by Neil Gaiman and what yeah. segments. I think it's, it's very much that the dialogue seems very Pratchett because he has that just that back and forth ba- or had that back and forth banter, just like mm. down to a knock and tee. I think, one of the parts that I love is I got like an anniversary edition of the book that had like a little Q and a, yeah. and I think it was, I think it was a Q and a with Neil Gaiman. And one of the questions was, um, was, Oh, what was it like writing a book with Terry Pratchett? And Neil was like, you got to remember, this is like the early eighties. We weren't Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Then yeah, I hadn't written is, that this is before they've Sa- had their styles locked. Yeah, like yeah. he, like Pratchett had just started writing uh, Discworld and like, I don't think Neil Gaiman had written Sandman by this point. No, this is the way Neil Gaiman tells it. It's very much like a sort of, he viewed Pratchett as the established and Gaiman as the aspiring, you know? Yeah. So it was just two guys that managed to meet at a convention that were like, hey, do you want to write this weird book about heaven and hell? I just emailed and just like, Hell, I don't even think they had email. Just post each other transcripts back and forth. Mm. Um, but yeah, great book. Uh, adaptation, really, really strong. Like surprisingly strong. Yeah, Def- I've been waiting for something. I know The Boys is great, obviously. Yeah. But I've been waiting for something from Amazon Prime that really caught my imagination as much as that did. Because much as with The Sandman, with the good omens watching it, I was like, oh my God, they're actually committing to how weird it is. They're not mm. like trying to explain it to a new audience or anything like that yeah. you know the concessions are mild yeah no i love bad omens it was great bad omens or good omens, whatever show yeah. called. oh so, i thought I you thought, were deliberately trying to slip I, in a, i thought like you were a, making a, a joke no no it, it no it's 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 been so long since i've seen it i just remember being really good mm. go watch. Uh, like, i listened to the music for good omens on spotify the other day and i just started laughing <laughs> Cause like it's just so bonkers that it exists, you know. <laughs> just even like and like it, again, as it fully commits to it, they're just like, mm. okay, we need like a voice, we need a voice of a narrator who is also in the context of this movie, who is God. And they're mm. like, what if we just got Francis McDormand? <laughs> just yeah, <laughs> no, no, no hassle of it. Um, and yeah, like it's propped up, obviously. My like uh, Mark, uh, uh, Michael Sheen, uh, Michael Sheen, and uh, David Tennant. Perfect casting, mm. prop the entire thing up. And I'll, actually, I, I can't remember if we mentioned this weeks ago, but they have announced a season two. And, ne- and Neil Gaiman has basically gone on the record, like when that was announced to say that it was all because Pratt, like this, the TV adaptation of Good Omens was like a pet project of Terry. Mm. 
it was something he really wanted to try and get off the ground and then just couldn't before mm. he passed away. And just Matt, like Gaiman managed to follow it through, get it through to Amazon, put it. And obviously we know it's great. So when season two got announced and people were like, hold on, the book was finished. What yeah. do you mean season two? This is apparently the season two that they're going for is a pitch Pratchett had for if the show ever got picked up and like to they they yeah. this was an idea that the two of them had to actually continue this story on. Okay, well, look, I mean, look, if Michael Sheen and Dave, like I've I've watched staged religiously. If if you just put Michael Sheen and David Tennant together and just let them annoy each other, he I'll will clap fine. like a monkey. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to take Neil Gaiman's part of it out of it, but like you're off to a good start there. Like, yeah. Um, oh. No, before I think we've got how many have we got? We've got uh, five three months. minutes. So. Yeah. I will just give briefly give my thoughts on all the other <laughs> Neil Gaiman adaptations. There is a theatrical production of The Ocean at the End of the Lane coming to Dublin next year, which has gotten great reviews. And I really, I hope I get to see it now because I'm sure it'll sell out very quickly. American Gods is awful. Coraline is amazing. I've only just discovered in my brief Googling here, apparently the Lucifer on Netflix is Neil Gaiman's Lucifer. As in the Gwendolyn... Hey. Yo character or whatever her name is. I didn't know that. No, I, I fully just thought that was just completely set, like just a but, whole individual thing. Yeah, exactly. But I've checked it up and yeah, sure enough. Basically, it starts from where that version of Lucifer's story ends at the end of Sandman. It's like news to me. Wild. To watch okay. it now. Uh, and I think there's the only other Neil Gaiman ones off the top of my head, apart from obviously there's like Doctor Who episodes he's done and stuff. But as far as other Neil Gaiman stuff, he's done surprisingly amount of uncredited English dubs for Studio Ghibli movies. Most yes, most visibly in Princess Mononoke. Yeah, I, I, yeah, Neil Gaiman thing. You fully just threw me back to to the anime Crash Course recording exactly, where I did we yeah. it there. Yeah. And one I've been trying to see for ages, but I actually can't because the film bombed so badly. I can't find it, which is an adaptation of a short story of his called How to Talk to Girls at Parties. And it's a film with like a stellar cast, but they took like a 15 page story and made a full feature of it by injecting aliens into it. And it sounds so wild. I'm kind of curious to track it down, you know. Yeah, no, that's that sounds like something we that needs to be dug out. Yeah, 2017 films. Okay, it's not 48% Rotten Tomatoes. It doesn't seem like the worst thing in the world. But, but just like, like for curiosity's sake. Yeah, exactly. Hey, anybody like has like a... Kidman, Elle Fanning, like Ruth Wilson, she's great. Like Matt Lucas, all these like top-notch actors and no one's heard of this. Uh, yeah, no, I think uh, that's like, you know, let's use this platform, just do a cold call. Anybody has like... Maybe just a, just a rogue file of this. Uh, our email's on the website, nerdsnomedia at gmail.com. Just maybe shoot us a Google Drive link. If, if you have it, it'd be cool. Uh, we'll also accept Blu-rays in the post. I don't think we have a post address. <laughs> hey, we'll Jared, do we, have, we don't have a P.O. box, do we? Uh, kind of. <laughs> is, it, is it your house? <laughs> no, it's definitely not my house. No <laughs> okay, I, don't, if, I, if, I don't want to be shaking the post every time I go to it. If you if you quick, leave it quick. if you leave it in a nice velvet bag, it in the builder bear of the Blanchardstown shopping center. It'll just be on... like, quick, honey, go out there and try to post. Yep, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there you go. Throw it up a bit more. 
It's okay, right? Bring it in. It's just Amazon. Just doesn't smell like anthrax. <laughs> yeah. I think we're gonna be fine. No, we're gonna be fine. <laughs> Whoa, Matthew Vaughn directed Stardust. Yes, that was I yes. Did not know that. Oh yeah, no. Like, I, like, and I like the Kingsman movies. Stardust is far and away better than any of the Kingsman. Sorry. Which I also, to... again, the Mark Strong link. <laughs> Sorry, I've just uh, googled the reviews for the. Neo Game and Sam on Netflix, and the first one, well, the first one that comes up calls it half-assed. No, no. What no. about this seems lazy? No, oh, that, like, that, I, was, that, that was my review. Sorry. There's, there's a handful, <laughs> like you know, there's a handful of things I could maybe critique it for. No, I could pretty much say that the creators put their full ass into this. Hey, I use my whole ass. Use a whole <laughs> ass. And I think, and I think it's about time I use my whole ass to end this show. <laughs> so uh before we go i apologize to the neo gaming adaptations that i did not get to mention uh but kev is there anything you want to say before we wrap for this week uh no um you know we mentioned it earlier everybody should read one piece <laughs> that's that's <laughs> that, that's that my classic that's, neo gaming story that's yes. my that's my homework uh don't read sad man read one piece it's a uh, better world building <laughs> <laughs> You've just talked yourself out of being loaned all the books for free. <laughs> I know where you live. You literally do, yeah. Um, <laughs> how about you, Dara? Ahoy. Um, yes. A hitman. Play it. It's really good. So that on other Neil Gaiman classic. Thanks for staying on topic, guys. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You can always um, trust his kid. <laughs> well, oh, actually, I know we're going over, but uh, there is a Neil Gaiman Matrix story. There is actually it's fantastic, yeah, which it's really is really good. good. Um, actually, that's a, that's a good segue. So you might not notice. We're gonna go over a bit. So you may not notice when the Matrix originally came out back in 1999, they released a bunch of comics, um, which I have some of, but they actually released them as anthology series, as like full anthologies, and you can get them now in hardback, and they re-released them for the anniversary, and it actually has Neil Neil Gaiman's uh, story in it, but it has some really really good ones in it, and like if you're a big fan of the Matrix as a thing rather than like the movies or mm. you know the world 100% recommend it it's a fantastic little collection to have so good show Kim. oh yeah well sure I hope one day because I'm a huge fan of Neo Game and I hope one day to be like blessed by having a good comment or something I've been to two of Amanda Palmer's shows and he was at one of them but I just kind of shied away in the well Keen, here's what here's here's what you can do and here's a here's a pro tip mm. for everyone listening if you go to Forbidden Planet in London and just look through his books, there will be a signed copy there because they're all. Oh, I there. thought you were saying he was going to turn up. He might. <laughs> he just <laughs> behind <out>. this curtain. <laughs> he just shows up. So I mean, if you just want, if you want to sign, that's how I have a signed copy of American Gods. Um, it's just because you know, or if you just if you're in an airport, just look through his books and he just signs them. So, I mean, it's not a very hard signature to get. So. That's oh that's... my goodness! I'm sorry. There's one thing we almost missed, and it's in our own continuity. What? Neil Gaiman was an Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Okay. That's okay. True. It's it's definitely it going in the thumbnail of whatever this episode is. But uh, <laughs> Neil Ga- Neil Gaiman Arthur. <laughs> he was. He was an Arthur, which is finished now. It finished last year. 22 years, 20, either 22 or 25 years. The magic of Matt Damon couldn't save it, no? No, such a long run. Well, Matt Damon couldn't, like, couldn't stop crypto from crashing either, so. Yeah, that's true. Is, okay, or saved Asgard. 
<laughs> is the weirdest thing I could say about this, like, cat Neil Gaiman, cat is that Gaiman. he, lo- he looks by his proper title, Cat, cat Gaiman. Gaiman, is that he looks too happy. <laughs> <laughs> like, every picture I see of him is smiling. And for some reason, that just seems off for Neil Gaiman. <laughs> Not really. He never really looks sad, to be fair. Yeah, I, I, yeah but he never looks happy. <laughs> That's a very good point. But to be fair, like, like, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's I'm not saying he's got like he's 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 eternally sad, but he doesn't look happy. Yeah, I suppose. But I suppose I'll, when you're a cat, isn't everybody happy being a cat? Cats seem perpetually miserable and they've no reason to be. Depends which ones you're meeting. They're hanging out the wrong cats. Maybe um, there is one thing I wanted to bring up real quick. So Hitman um, was part of the, the PlayStation sale. And uh, I'm a big fan of the Hitman games. Um, I played two. I got it for free as part of the PlayStation Plus. Mm. And now the third one, it was 89 euro down to 31 euro. And I'm just like, was this all just part of a grand conspiracy to con <laughs> money out of people by giving you a little bit of it and then being like, yeah, pay us more of that good stuff to get the rest of it. And I'm like, fine, fine. They're also, so I mean, I'm really enjoying it. I would 100% recommend it, but you know, even though that's a little bit of a shady practice, in my opinion. Um, also, there's a really good game coming. Uh, Qua- Qua- QuakeCon at the moment is happening. So if you're looking for uh, Bethesda games, buy them all now because they're dirt cheap and this will still be relevant on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, Cult of the Lamb. Have you guys heard of Cult of the Lamb? I've heard of it. I, it's like, I, I may give it a shot because I've heard it's very base buildy and kind of town simmy, mm. but I am a very big fan of the kind of the very dark, thick line satanic imagery. So I I have I have heard uh, from a very close source. I have heard nothing but incredible things about it. Apparently, it's very similar to uh, Binding of Isaac, but a, a little bit more forgiving. I've heard it's somewhere between yeah. Animal Crossing and The Binding of Isaac. Yes. What yeah, that, that's exactly it. What, yeah. what, what, what was it? Um, e- Evil Corp uh, Resource Managing Mixed The Binding of Isaac. That's how it was described to me. <laughs> so apparently, it's, apparently it is fantastic. Um, so I haven't picked it up yet because I'm, you know, I'm not paying 22 euro, 23 euro for it. It's on the Switch as well. Um, but I will get to it eventually. Um, I've heard nothing but good things from a very close source, so I'd recommend that too. If I can pry myself away from Final Fantasy fourteen for long enough, I might play it. Fair. It's not happening. Fair. Not happening. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that seems as good a time as any to wrap it up. So thank you so much uh, for listening to this episode. I apologize to the mega Neil Gaiman fans who inevitably I've forgotten some worthy work that has been forgotten. But we'll be back next week, hopefully with more Lego Shop updates. Uh, but and, until and but, if anyone want, if anyone from Lego wants to come on and 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 justify the lack of a, a full size Vin McCool statue, we're happy to have you. If anyone survives working in that shop that first week, oh man, let us we, know. We yeah. salute to you, we brave soldiers. <laughs> we salute you absolutely. We and we will play a twenty-one. The Lego don't have guns. For what do they have? <laughs> a twenty-one brick in the air salute to the fallen Lego workers because it's going out on Saturday. Yeah. And, but we will be back next week. But until then, bye bye. Bye bye. Join us at 
All right, so you're listening to the podcast. You're like, hey, I'm not in Ireland. How do I get in touch? Well, TuneIn has you covered. That's how you can check us out live when we're on the radio. Um, you go to TuneIn and download the app, or you can check out the live streams on nairthnomedia.com or Phoenix 92.5 FM. If you want to get in contact with us, it's very easy. Nairthnow Media everywhere. Nairthnow Media on Twitter. Nairthnow Media Instagram. Nairthnow Media on Twitch. Nairthnow Media at gmail.com if you want to reach out via email. Hope to hear from you soon. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 